Hello, everyone. Thank you all for joining me, your host, Vern Davis of Plant Profits. Plant Profits is brought to you by Protus Global. And look, uh, you're in for a treat. You're, we're going to have a conversation today with one of the icons of our industry. Uh, my guest is the founding editor of Marijuana Business Daily. He was the first journalist in the United States to focus exclusively on covering the business of cannabis. That's a big deal. I said a lot there. Today, he oversees the editorial events, marketing, sales, and new product divisions of the largest B2B media research and trade show conference company in the global cannabis industry. By now, you already know who I'm speaking of. My guest today on Plant Profits is Mr. Chris Walsh, CEO of J Biz and the Marijuana Business Daily. Welcome, Chris. Thanks for having me. That was very kind of you. I'm sure there's plenty of people who have no idea who I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, they should. <laughs> We're going to do something about that today. All right. We're going to close the gap just a little bit, man, just a little bit. But man, it's, it's great to have you here. And I mean, it, you're like, if, if a cannabis year is seven years, right? 80 years already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we joke internally. Absolutely. For, for, for about, we've been in round for about 11 years, but we've said yeah. most of this time, you know, every year in the, in the cannabis industry is like, you know, five or six in any other industry. So I feel like I've been doing this my whole life. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. No doubt. Man, I tell you, um, you went to Colorado State. You 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 live in Colorado now. I mean, it's just a big deal. I mean, uh, Colorado is a cornerstone uh, for the cannabis industry and all that has happened and, and several years ago there to kick this thing off. Um, but you're a trailblazer. You're a real trailblazer. When you when you started uh, reporting on cannabis, did you ever, I mean, this is, I mean, you're a guy, you wanted, you went to school, you're a journalist, you wanted to work for the New York Times, that was your, that was your wow moment, that's what you were fighting for, and then you went and you started talking about cannabis, did you feel like a trailblazer, what was that like to be the only, and why were you the only guy, I always wanted to know, that. why were you the only guy talking about this plant? <laughs> well, I, I think, <laughs> You know, a lot, a lot of people were talking about it, but um, yeah, you know, that whole point in my bio about the, the kind of first journalist to cover the business side is because, you know, at that yeah. time in 2011, there weren't journalists who were really focused on the cannabis industry at all. Um, yeah. They were, you know, there it was still a new thing, and it was it was the subject of jokes and punny headlines, and mm -hmm. it was, um, you know, they would just fly in and write something about what their state is doing and fly out. But it was a it was a real business developing, right? And no one was really giving it the attention it needed. A professional, kind of journalistic approach to to writing about what the heck was going on with this industry and how it affects the business side specifically. So you had plenty of people writing for consumers. You had the High Times type magazines, right? And you had bloggers, you know, and right. rating different types of strains. But no one was really focused on that business side. Yeah. In your mind, who was listening to you? Who is listening to us now or, or then? No, then, then. Uh, that's interesting because when we started, uh, our yeah. target our target audience was dispensary owners specifically, no one else. Okay. We were really just trying to help that retail side of the industry. You know, back then it was only medical. So, right, um, right. so the dispensary owners, and it was really the initial concept was, hey, let's do 
kind of trade publication type insights, advice, case studies to help them grow their business. It wasn't a news focus at the very beginning. It was like, you know, how do you upsell at the counter? And, you know, mm -hmm. how does packaging help, help uh, you know, turn patients on to different products and things like that. But it became very clear shortly after we launched that there, there wasn't, um, that the need was real, again, legit news, objectively, mm -hmm. you know, analysis and, and taking it from the point of view of a CEO, of a founder, of an investor, and trying to t make sense of the developments and report on them. So our audience shifted to, you know, basically it was people who were in the industry um, across the board, whether it was an ancillary company, you know, someone uh, who had developed a, a cultivation site or was making infused products. Uh, it was the investors back then that were like, I don't know how to make sense of this industry. I might throw some money into a company. It was those yeah. types of people we were trying trying to help. So, I mean, in many ways, as, as you stated what you just did, you played a role in what you were doing. I'm sure you had people supporting you. And what you were doing in writing about this industry when it was right to your point, it was the, it was the medical industry, um, that you played a role in getting money directed into the space. Well, we like to think, you know, I, I try and avoid mm -hmm. any type of hubris or, or overinflate anything I or MJ Business no. done for the industry. I really do. Um, but but we set out to help professionalize the industry and to help it. So I'm proud okay. of I'm I'm proud of that, and that I do think we played we did exactly that. We put a professional mm -hmm. face on an industry that desperately needed it because if mm -hmm. it was going to be taken seriously, you know, you had to approach it differently than it was at the time. You had to approach it more with a business mindset. If you're going to, and a responsible and regulatory mindset, mm -hmm. if this was ever going to spread into what it's become today, it couldn't exist and it couldn't, it couldn't gain the traction it needs with the public, with the lawmakers, uh, with regulators, yeah. if it didn't turn that corner. And that's what we set out to help it do. And I think, I think we helped in a, in a, a decent way to do that. No, I, I think you were some of the first planks in the floor, right? You built and helped build a foundation to something that could be built upon uh, with what the work you guys were, uh, were doing. So, you know, MJ Biz, how did you actually get involved? You know, yeah, tell me so, that story. Yeah, sure. Um, I, as you mentioned, I went to Colorado State University. I majored in journalism. My father was a White House correspondent for okay. many decades. And he, I grew up watching him, you know, fly around the world on Air Force One covering, you know, Reagan and Clinton and Bush. And he was, he was right in the thick of it as a journalist at U.S. News and World right. Report. And right. it kind of sparked a desire in me to get into journalism. And so that's, that's kind of where my focus was. Um, I had a desire okay. to help people in some way. And if I could do that professionally, I kind of fell into the business side of journalism. It wasn't what I was thinking. So I, I basically started uh, working on, on business desk of a newspaper and, mm -hmm. and it just evolved. I, I had that dream, as you mentioned, my, the pinnacle mm -hmm. of my career would be a wall street journal, a New York times, um, reputable yeah. news outlets. And maybe most people don't consider any news outlet reputable anymore, but you know, back then um, these were, it was these, different. I mean, tenure, was different. It, it was different. It was different. Yeah. yeah. And these were pillars of, of responsible, effective, uh, credible journalism. So that's where I wanted to go. And that's kind of the, yeah. the career map I had set out. If I could get there, I will have made it with my chosen career. But as what happened is, you know, I started my professional career in 2000 and that's when the high tech, uh, industry hit its hit hit its high point, right? 
Right. I graduated college and was actually covering high tech. And within six months, the whole thing collapsed. Right. That was the, the popping of the bubble. So all of a sudden I was writing about layoffs and companies closing their doors and people losing their jobs. And, and that started to have an effect on my my uh, chosen career. So newspapers started to suffer um, and magazines. And it just it started we started cutting back and I just saw where everything was going with with media. So I went back to school and, and, you know, working in journalism and got my MBA, was earning my MBA. And I decided in my early 30s to move to South Korea, actually, and said, okay. hey, I'm going to just Why South Korea. Hold on. Hold on, Chris. Why South Korea? <laughs> well, I, I mean, want to emphasize South, not North. I, I got it. And I said it I twice say, also. I've, I've just said Korea sometimes and people are like, yeah. you were in North Korea. Whoa. I was like, no, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. Um, <laughs> But uh, no, it was, just was an opportunity. And I'm a big international traveler and I wanted to live abroad. Yeah. And it was okay. the right time in my life to take a risk. And so I worked at a newspaper over there. I left in 2009. I was in Denver before that. Um, and when I came, when I left at the newspaper I worked at in Denver, mar- marijuana wasn't an industry in 2009. It was, it had been legalized for medical purposes, but like many states that had done that, there was no industry, right? It was still federally right. legal. So when I left, it wasn't even on our radar as, as a business you know, desk at okay. a newspaper. When I came back two years later and was trying to figure out what my next move would be, um, there were more dispensaries in the Denver area than Starbucks. In just two years, this industry had kind of come out of nowhere. It had come out of nowhere. And so- um, but, but, but why do you, why did it happen though? I mean, you were, you were away two years. You weren't watching it grow. But yeah. something sparked. Do yeah. you know what that was? You know, it was really that uh, a number of states had legalized, the voters had legalized medical cannabis. And it just, mm-hmm. it reached this point where some pioneering entrepreneurs put everything they had on the line. They could mm-hmm. have gone to jail, they, their reputations. And they just said, it's legal in my state. I'm going to start, you know, growing and selling marijuana. And I'm going to open up go. a storefront. And so you just had a point in time where risk takers in California, mm-hmm. in Washington, in Montana, in Oregon, in Colorado were were willing. And one saw another do it somewhere else. And they said, I'm going to do it here, you know. And, and you know, I don't know what it was specifically yeah. about that, you know, that that window of time. But it, it did. It was a very short window. And it wasn't just in Colorado. Um, it, California actually led the charge, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a couple of years earlier with people like Steve D'Angelo and Andrew D'Angelo just saying, right. Hey, Steve's we're going to get the out show. there and help people. We believe in this plan. And, and, and it took some evangelism, right? Uh, it, that's what it does. That's, that's exactly uh, what it took. Hey, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and we're going to, we're going to take this further and talk about uh, some things that I've observed about you and what you do as an analyst in this industry. I'm Vern Davis. I'm your host of Plant Profits and Plant Profits is brought to you by Produce Global. And our guest today is the CEO of MJ Biz, et cetera, uh, Mr. Chris Walsh. We'll be right back. Plant Profits will return so our sponsors can profit from these messages. Hey, well, welcome back, everyone. Um, I'm here today. I'm Vern Davis, your host of Plant Profits, and Plant Profits is brought to you by Protus Global. And my guest today is Mr. Chris Walsh, uh, the leader, the head of MJ Biz and other um, properties uh, dealing with the cannabis business industry. You know, Chris, people have called you an analyst, one of the foremost analysts 
and the in the industry and the cannabis business. And and I think that's that's important. And and you 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 do things sort of like an analyst. You're out there. You are talking about the industry. You're making predictions. I was at your show, right, in October of last year in Vegas in MJ Biz. I was there. You got on stage and you made some predictions about the industry, okay? So this is semi Vern giving you a scorecard, semi let's have a little fun and, and, and really talk about some of the things that you, by doing what you did, you put on the table of, hey, let's make these things happen or, let, or if we don't believe it's going to happen, let's get closer to the goal line on these things and how do we do this thing together. So I really love that you do that. I Hopefully you continue to do things like that and just put it out there because we got to talk about this, these things and see how can we mobilize to make things happen. So yep. on stage at in October of last year, 2021, you said the following. Here's some of the predictions. I'm, I'm sure I'm not going to catch them all. Let's do it. Okay, let's do it. Okay. You said, all right. Um, well, the first thing you said, it wasn't a prediction. I think it was a fact. And, and I think it's still true. And I want you to comment on it. That we're winning the battle at the ballot box. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are. Uh, overwhelmingly so. Uh, you can yeah. look at blue states, red states, uh, medical and recreational. Uh, the the momentum has shifted greatly, um, and and it has been there. We had been winning at the ballot box in the low hanging mm-hmm. fruit states like California and Colorado, where there's overwhelming support naturally for cannabis. Uh, more blue states now, um, but it's what we really have started to see in more recent years is when a measure is on the ballot. You know, the chances that it's going to pass to legalize medical or recreational uh, is that's where you put your money. You put your money on that bet that it's going to pass. And that's what we had seen in the the elections in Mm -hmm. 2020. I mean, you had South Dakota, you know, pretty much as red as it gets. Oh, uh, it can't get much. It's beaming. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Blinding. Um, Yeah. You know, and uh, and and for a state like that to legal to become the first to legalized both medical and recreational at the same time. No state had done that before, right? This was, again, this wasn't a low hanging fruit state that, that, you know, of course they're going to legalize, everyone supports it. Uh, now that was challenged, the recreational measure, it was passed and the medical, and it was challenged because of pushback by the governor and others. But um, is what, to, to encapsulate what I was saying is it's winning, it's winning over the people. And you see that in polls, you see that at the ballot box. Where the real struggle is, is the uh, lawmaker side federally and, and in some states where there are still resistance among lawmakers who are fighting back or who have fought back, like in Mississippi, when the voters approve a medical mm-hmm. cannabis measure and then someone comes out and tra- challenges it and overturns it. So yeah. there's resistance, I, but the voters in time at time again are approving these. And it wasn't always that case. Uh, you know, that that was, you know, there was a lot, lot of resistance, you know, six, seven years ago in Arizona, even even with medical, you know, um, had a lot of problems. So uh, passing that with the voters. So is what we've seen is the public supports this and they're coming out and voting for it and showing their support in that way. And that's yeah. overwhelming at this point. It, it is. And, and I'm from a state that's having just some real interesting discussions about it. I'm from Texas. And right. And and right. so, I, you know, I'm in Texas and and folks are I, I talk to everybody 
all the time about this, this cannabis business. And I have not had anyone that said no to medical cannabis, just medical, right? Yeah. And, and it's a state where it's still an illegal drug. It's illegal. It, yeah. it, it's not been decriminalized in the state of Texas. Now, Austin, Texas, Travis County just, just won on a ballot to decriminalize it in a county, right? Yeah. So yeah. It, 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 is, it is quite interesting what is, is going on, but you're right, man. I tell you, if the people actually ran the government, if what we thought really matters, it'd be different. Yeah. No, and, and when you think there's a $25 billion industry that we predict yeah. is going to double, you know, in our marijuana yeah. business backbook where we research this stuff, we predict that's going to double in the next five years. Wow. And, yet, and yet the federal government has not changed any cannabis laws at a federal level. Like it's, it's, it's ridiculous. So to your point, uh, mm-hmm. they aren't listening to the people. The people are speaking year We're in speaking year loud. Out. They're screaming. Scream. Yeah. The people are screaming. The people right. are screaming. Okay. So that's that. Now let's, let's talk about CBD, right? CBD, you said that basically federally, it wasn't going to make a lot of progress, but on the state basis that you thought there would be some advancement. So give us kind of the state of the union of where we are with CBD. CBD is a difficult one because there was a lot of hype around it, a lot of money put in, a lot of entrepreneurial activity when the farm bill passed, which essentially legalized hemp and uh, CBD, uh, but only certain forms of CBD. So it was what we had as kind of a, another green rush into the CBD side in 2018 and 19. Um, and, and it hasn't played out as many thought, right? So there was a kind of a, a culling of the herd, a lot of problems in the CBD side, uh, in, in 20, you know, 2020, even part of 2019 that continue today. So, um, it's all hinging. A lot of this is hinging on if the FDA will actually allow CBD in ingestible. So in foods and drinks primarily, because that's where the biggest market is, uh, for this. It's not lotions and creams, which do have a market, right? And those are allowed these topicals, but it's, it's, it's infusing CBD in, in things that you ingest. And that's how we're all comfortable as people, uh, you know, consuming things, right? Um, mm-hmm. So that the FDA has not uh, has not approved that, and it says that's technically still illegal. So, so I'm sure all of you have seen uh, foods or drinks with CBD in them. Technically, oh, that's illegal. But, but you know what? Guess what? Marijuana is still illegal too. And there's you know tens of thousands of, <laughs> of stores around the country and, and grows. So it's it's a weird situation. So basically. We're all kind of waiting with bated breath for the yeah. FDA to rule on whether they'll allow it. But my prediction was that the FDA won't move this year. Right, yeah. right. And, um, and the states would would open some doors. And just like what we saw on the marijuana side, we're seeing in CBD where the states are saying, okay, if the federal government's not going to do anything, we're going to craft our own rules. Um, and we're going to set guidelines around it. And we're going to lead the way, just like marijuana. If it were all up to the federal government, at this point, there would be no marijuana industry because they have done nothing. It was states leading the way. And so uh, my prediction was that no, there would be no meaningful FDA uh, action on this this year, and maybe not for several years, but that this year we'd see an increasing number of states that are saying, okay, we're going to allow CBD in, in ingestibles, and we're going to set parameters around this industry so we can help it and help it right. flourish. And we have seen that. California is becoming well, for all the problems California has on the marijuana side, you know, they are trying to tackle this and create their own infrastructure for CBD that 
is hopefully going to create a robust market and spread uh, that blueprint spread to other states. Absolutely. We just need somebody to break through. Absolutely. Okay. Um, the, the next one is, man, it, it's, it's big. Uh, you said there'll be no federal uh, change of the marijuana laws, right? You said that Safe yeah. Banking Act, right, is like, it's, it seems like it's gaining momentum. How do you, so what say ye on this now? Do you, do, do you still say that it won't pass uh, the way it should it. at the end of the year? Yeah. Uh, and that's, trust me, this isn't what I want, right? I'm trying to view this uh, with all the experience of being really intimately tied to this industry for 11 years. And right. you know what? Making predictions is is foolish, but I do it anyway every year. I, I love it. I love it. This is great. Yeah. Because <laughs> things, it, you know, in this industry, it's really, things surprise you mm-hmm. all the time. But my, my thinking was that there were strong chances for something to break through federally. You have um, the Democrats who are traditionally more favorable towards cannabis in control of basically everything, you know, the House, the Senate and the presidency, and that this would be the time to do it. Right. We have enough. There's enough. I mean, there's enough momentum. There's enough support. But is what happened is what happened is that uh, some something of the leading, happened on the way to the store. Something exactly. <laughs> yeah. And just briefly, the leading some of the leading Democrats in Washington that support legalization and reform basically are you know crafting their own full legalization bill that has no chance in hell of passing because it's you know this is a complicated matter and so they've actually come out against any meaningful reform that's more of a a big step but not the whole picture so without going into further details of boring everyone you know you've got chuck schumer or cory booker you know working on their own bill but saying hey don't pass banking and 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 basically rallying support around their bill instead of that because that doesn't go far enough. Well, guess what? That's not how legalization works in in this country and and reform. It takes steps. So I was hoping that we'd see a change to the banking laws, which right. as anyone Something. in cannabis knows is is yeah, a huge yeah. deal. But I'm afraid that the party is is fractured now, and and just seeing the the worsening of the situation in D.C. with getting anything done. So my prediction was rooted in, I really hope this happens. I've been wrong. I think it was in 18. Of course you want it to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I think in 18, I predicted it would finally, after always saying it wouldn't. And I was wrong, right? Like it's very hard to predict, but I just didn't feel it was going to get over the hump this year. And I still don't. I'm hopeful. There's signs that it might, but. Well, I tell you what, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back. And I really want you to explain what, what the industry looks like. With, with a safe banking act because it, it would be decidedly different and uh, I want I want I want the audience to hear what that looks like from you Chris Walsh Chris Walsh the CEO of MJ biz is my guest today I'm Vern Davis I am the host of plant profits plant profits is brought to you by produce global we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back thank you plant profits will return so our sponsors can profit from these messages. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to Plant Profits. I'm your host, Vern Davis. My guest today is Chris Walsh, and he's the CEO of MJ Biz and other properties. Look, we're just in the middle of conversation about the about what's happening on the Hill politically with the Safe Banking Act. Now, Chris, tell the listeners what that means. That act, I I say, once you have that, man, you know, I don't, you know, the federal thing is a nice to have almost, but to let's talk about what does that look like? What would that mean if the act passed as it is written? 
from a very high level because there will be lots yeah. of ways this can go that might shift it in different directions. I agree with you completely in that yeah. uh, this is pseudo legalization. If you can get mm-hmm. normalized banking yeah. uh, and fix the tax burden, the unfair tax burden on companies in the industry, particularly retailers, uh, is what yeah. you're doing is you're, you're basically normalizing it and 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 opening the door uh, to all the people that and companies that want to get in the investors the money that's that's being held at bay because it's 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 still illegal. Um, mm-hmm. So if, if banking opens up, it's pseudo legalization, and it, again, it normalizes the industry, it creates more opportunities, it creates more capital coming in that will help companies, large or small, expand to grow to tap new markets, and it will also likely push more states over the edge to legalize. So. Uh, it is. This is, to me, the biggest thing that should happen. And then to your point, yeah, something mm-hmm. bigger codified into law about letting states decide their own way or full mm-hmm. legalization, like whatever. This is what right. we need at this point this, in time. This is it. This is the thing. This is the thing. Values of the, I mean, all of the all of the the, the entities, the major entities that are public uh, are just so undervalued now and underappreciated. Their stock prices reflect that. And this will change that. It also will help, um, you know, there, there will be there will be benefits and drawbacks all across the board. You lose the buffer if you're in the industry now. Um, yeah. We have we all are operating. Everyone in it is operating in a unique circumstance where we're not competing against others that we normally would be. Right. So we right. have opportunities to, to actually start and grow businesses when we might not have had that if the big money was sure. in. But, but what's going to happen is those smaller players that are struggling now, you know, to raise money, to get an SBA loan, to find a bank. Right you know, um, will have access to all that. So my hope is, it, yeah. it might, may not work completely like this, but my hope is it benefits everyone across the board. And yes, yeah. big money, and things are going to change, and it's going to get more competitive and potentially harder to enter, but you're also going to have a lot more tools and resources available to the mm-hmm. smaller players and a healthier industry overall, which hopefully benefits most people. Agreed. Totally. 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 What... So just kind of moving out of the prediction uh, uh, narrative, talk to me, what, what do you think are some of the top struggles right now with and cannabis from, if, if, if I'm a, a, a MSO, right? And what, what do you think they're struggling with? Uh, besides all the, the stuff they really can't control, they can help influence money and people and, and stuff uh, on the legislative side and things we've been talking about. But what are the, what are the other things you, you think that is, is really going to be important for them to up their game on? I think the MSOs in particular, Yeah. Uh, since, since I was the folks of the question there, their struggles that uh, the way I see it is strategy. Mm-hmm. It's strategy. It's how, what am I doing? Right? Am mm-hmm. I just grabbing any state that looks promising and oh, here's a new one and now we're going to try and get to California or is there a cohesive strategy behind what they're trying to do? Because what they're doing now, you know, really is going to dictate how strong they are when things change federally. And some of them won't make it. Some will be yeah. gobbled up. Some won't be strong. They won't have the right brands. Maybe they didn't have the clear strategy. And there's a lot of discussion. Do you go for revenue and footprint at all costs or do you go for a financially sound business with a clear strategy of going into markets? with five characteristics, whatever it is that you've determined, mm-hmm. it's going to be a market with, you know, limited licenses with, uh, you know, what X amount of patient space and population density, um, or is it a land grab right now? Now, a land grab usually um, it has a lot of pitfalls, 
but but can work successfully. So that's what I think the biggest struggle for them is. They might not see it as a struggle because they do think they have a strategy. But as we've seen in Canada with the Canadian yes. big companies, you know, that backfired tremendously. I think we're in a different situation here, but but I'm seeing a lot of different business models all across the board and which ones are going to win out in the next five years is is up for debate. And uh, and those ones who do revenue and footprint at all costs and trying to get as many states, may some of them will likely succeed and others will fail tremendously because when 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 you look at their financials, at some point, people are not going to back that anymore. And they're going to say, okay, great. You're making a ton of money, but you're losing a ton of money too. Yeah. And we're not going to, investors will say, we're not going to do that anymore. We don't support that. Yeah. I, I, and look, you said something right there, exactly where I wanted to go, investors and how investors are looking at this strategy that you're talking about. And and what I'm finding is that their, their biggest struggle is that they don't, that they need to beef up the, um, pedigree and and quality of the talent that they have running these companies that are on the board of directors right they they really need to take it to another level yeah um and that's that's a big thing are you hearing that in your circles yeah absolutely and I'm, and we're seeing it we're seeing a yeah. lot of these mso's bringing on deep talent from other industries mm-hmm. now the yeah. key is not just to say hey we got this guy who used to work at you know in the executive suite at ge or amazon right. or uh, starbucks or whatever it's effectively utilizing talent um, mm-hmm. and and having that strategy and uh, and learning how to scale and integrating all that. You're having these big MSOs now acquire each other, right? Well, right. those can be mass- that can be messy, especially in the cannabis industry with all the different regulations and restrictions. So, you know, there there's some big acquisitions and mergers that are playing out now that we don't know how they're going to handle this integration, and we don't know if they're going to do it effectively. And we can look right. to any other industry and and point out companies that did the same thing and botched it. Even companies, mm-hmm. professional, you know, long-standing companies with good skill sets that messed up acquisitions, that messed up their growth strategy, that screwed up their brand because they weren't oh. cohesive, that screwed up their culture. Like, so, you know, the, the companies that make it out of this, you know, are, are, are going to do that very effectively. And there's yes. going to be a lot that don't do it effectively. Right. Yeah. And, and, but my point is this, Chris, it's hard to do it. If you haven't done it. Yeah. Okay. That's my point. So the depth and level of talent, you're right. I mean, think about what you said about the banking. What would the M&A activity look like? (laughs) It would be off the charts. It'd be crazy. It's already crazy. What's happening, you know, with with all of the deals that are being made in the space and you, you get something like that, culture, development of people, talent level of folks it is so critical if you don't have that you're going to fail i mean you're you're going to fail because you're going to make some bad decisions the strategy is not going to be right for the infrastructure of which you've already built right that's a problem yeah so you need to merge to your point you Uh have to merge the cannabis expertise in the industry with people from outside who know how to scale they know how to merge entities they know big picture strategy uh, but even, I guess my point is even getting those people on board yeah. isn't a recipe for success. Um, you know, it's, it's gotta be done in the right ways. Uh, and we are seeing MSOs embrace that and merge the mm-hmm. kind of big business expertise side with kind of the cannabis smaller player. Uh, uh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But, but it's, it, yeah. it's, it really comes down to the details of how you approach it after you've got those people on board and, and some companies fail even with those people. No, and, and, and other industries as well. 
to your yeah. point. So, so true, man, this, this has been a really cool discussion, but let's talk about some things that happened to you guys at the beginning of the year. Right. So uh, speaking of Emerald, acquisitions, <laughs> yes. Emerald Holdings, right. That, that deal, how did that all come about? And, 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 and what, you know, what drove it and what, what was the strategic vision that made it happen? Well, you know, the, the two main co-founders, Anna and Cassandra, you know, started this and brought me on to help launch it. They, they've been running it. They, you know, bootstrapped it along the way. And we've had offers for years, right? People coming out and, and willing to throw money at MJ Biz, but uh, never really interested in going that route and just doing what we were doing and helping the industry. I guess, you know, um, it, to, to what we were talking about just now, right? There was a realization that if we are going to grow, if we're going to be effective and help the industry, and we're going to do what we need to do in the future, we have to up level up as a company. So, you know, we needed, and it wasn't just about hiring people, right? So it was about, hey, is there a company we can team up with that is going to take us to that next level and, and knows how to scale, knows how a mature industry operates more, better and has seen this iteration before outside of cannabis? So, you know, it, it had been a long time. You know, everyone gets tired running businesses for a long time. It just felt like the right time for them, especially to pursue an exit. But it had to be the right company and it had to be seen more as a partnership. So it wasn't like, hey, let's just go sell to someone who gives us money. And it might be an investment firm or a hedge mm -hmm. fund, right, who doesn't know what they're doing with events and media and just kind of is looking to bleed money out of it. It was a strategic play of who could acquire us that would enhance what we're doing and get us to that next level so that we can also adapt effectively as the industry changes and new skill sets are needed, new expertise that maybe we don't have right now. Mm -hmm. um, so that was a lot of the fundamental thinking behind it. And it wasn't, uh, and, and it was done with who is the right, seeing it as a partnership to help this grow, even though it was a full acquisition. And Emerald, it was the perfect fit because, you know, they are, they, they do what we do. They run business mm -hmm. conferences and they run media yeah. and they serve industries. Right. It was about tapping into that, their resources, their expertise, their knowledge, their vision, their strategy, and then feeding that into what we're doing uh, and making sure that MJ Biz is is even more relevant going forward uh, than it has been in the past. Well, look, they, they bought a successful company, right? They acquired a successful company and they did a smart thing. They, they, they allowed the successful company they bought, they bought to keep the leadership team intact because it was doing well, right? And I, I think that's that's smart. Now, it may change in the future for all the reasons you aforementioned, right? But they, right now, this was the right thing to do to transition uh, the business, don't you think? Well, and I, I give them a lot of credit, not just because mm -hmm. I work for them now. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> uh, but no, I, I, I mean this from the bottom of my heart is that they approached it the right way. Just like you said, they didn't say, yeah. we know everything about, you know, running events and, and media and all this and right. serving industries. And, and so we're going to dictate where this goes. They said, hey, we liked what you guys were doing. We're impressed. That's why we're buying it. You know, we want you to continue doing what you're doing with our support and guidance, but we don't want to come in and f anything up right right absolutely and, and, I, and, yeah. and i've seen this happen in many different ways the opposite right where yeah. they say okay we're taking full control we know and then they don't understand the industry they don't have connections with the industry they're out of touch and and then the whole thing goes south right so i, I give them a ton of credit and that's what made this uh deal attractive too is that mm -hmm. that's how they pitched that they were going to approach this hey you guys are the experts 
right. you know, we're, we're going to help you in, in other ways, but not come in and, and overhaul everything you're doing. Right. right. So it was, it was, it was totally a strategic man. This is a great chat. We could talk forever. I didn't even get through half your predictions and <laughs> good. Cause if they don't come true, I don't want them out. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We can't, we can't pin them on you. Right. We can't <laughs> right. Pin them on you. Man, but you got to come back. Absolutely. You got to come back and we got to continue this chat. I really loved it. It was a great time. You have tremendous energy for what you guys are doing. And uh, I really appreciate you being here, Chris. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. It was great to talk again and uh, happy to happy to join anytime and talk about this crazy industry. A absolutely. Well, thank you all for joining us at Plant Profits uh, and uh, our guest today, uh, Mr. Chris Walsh, CEO of MJ Biz and Marijuana Business Daily. I'm your host, uh, Vern Davis, and I, I want you to guys to go to wherever you get your podcast, you know, Spotify, Apple you know, iHeart, wherever, and download Plant Profits. And uh, also look out for this episode with Chris Walsh. And download Plant Profits and enjoy. Uh, we have we have about 140 some odd uh, shows that you can pick from multi-topical. So uh, really interesting. Thank you very much for doing that. Follow Protus Global through our social uh, media networks with LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all of those places where you go and you glide on the digital, we are there. Finally, <laughs> I want you to learn about Protus, right? How we build companies, how we change people's lives by bringing amazing talent uh, to their businesses. And that's ProtusGlobal.com, P-R-O-T-I-S, global.com. Until next time, everyone, cheers. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.